Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hockey gods, if they do exist, it seems they continue to look down fondly on the Montreal Canadiens. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert back with you. Yes, cosmic forces, or at least elements that seem outside of the control of the 20-something skaters aside on these two teams, seem to be breaking the way of the Montreal Canadiens. This time, with the Vegas Golden Knights free and clear, protecting a lead they so deserved after a dominant 40 minutes and... A pretty dominant third period as well. Under two minutes remaining. Marc-Andre Fleury wanders out of his net. Misplays a puck that bounces funny on him. It slips through his legs, lands in the crease. And Josh Anderson is there to slam it home. And that set the, set the stage for overtime where Josh Anderson earned one for himself with a little help of Paul Byron scoring in the first overtime period to give the Montreal Canadiens a 3-2 victory and a 2-1 series lead. Now the Montreal Canadiens, I repeat, the Montreal Canadiens are two wins away from a Stanley Cup final appearance. When we look back on this game, I think we'll remember first and foremost the scenes, the indelible moments, the images that will be remembered for some time. These things are already standing out. I mean, we've got Corey Perry emerging from the locker room, freshly stitched with blood still all over his face, like they didn't even get the towel to wipe off the residue, there was just smudges all over him. Uh, we had George McPhee, I believe the president of the Vegas Golden Knights, with some epic reactions in the press box. And we've got Anderson celebrating for real, jumping into the arms of his teammates after a kind of sheepish reaction to tying the game and breaking what was a lengthy personal goal drought for him. For him. But no image will be more powerful then Fleury's gaff and the puck sliding through his legs and into the crease and him wanting to slam his stick, but realizing at least that there was teammates around and the debris might be a little bit hazardous in that moment. And when you're, when you're assessing what actually happened, I mean, there's going to be jokes and there's going to be, you know, old Fleury emerging and all this stuff. But I mean, it's hard to really, you know, criticize him. It's like he's going out to play the puck. It bounces funny. I, I don't really want to slam him from that. But I, I, at a certain point, you might be sort of, you know, walking the line between something that could be potentially bad luck or too much ambition from Flurry in that moment. I mean, maybe he was trying to play it a little bit too cutely. Maybe he was trying to make a play that he shouldn't have. Most goaltenders or at least ones that don't have that puck control just stop it and leave it for the defenseman. And I guess he could have done that, but it looked like he wanted to control it off the boards. And we all know how that went. But it, it does lead to that 
greater conversation, which is the self-destructive nature we've seen at times from Flurry. I mean, we've seen major mistakes at the World Juniors going all the way back. Uh, we've seen him make mistakes pre-Stanley Cup or pre-back-to-back Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Uh, 2014 comes to mind where he basically coughed one up in a very similar fashion to Brandon Dubitsky. Uh, he was lifted for Matt Murray, and he actually played a lot of one of the Stanley Cup runs, but was replaced after what was a bad spell for him, replaced by Robin Leonard in Vegas. I mean, we've seen reasons why Marc-Andre Fleury was pulled from his net or pulled from his opportunity. And I'm not su- not sitting here suggesting that they're going to do that, but the self-destructiveness, that's been part of Fleury's traits or characteristics or at least part of his story for a very long time and it's happened as recently as these playoffs I mean he gave up a terrible goal against Colorado uh early in the series um versus you know the the other best team in the NHL or at least from the regular season and he did manage to rebound that we saw him you know waving and apologizing to the bench because he just decided to try and catch something across his body when there was no need to do it self-destructive moments. He's been able to rebound from them in his career. He's been able to rebound from them in these playoffs already, but he's also failed in moments to rebound from these self-destructive moments. So it'll be interesting to see where the flurry conversation goes after this. If anything, though, it is another example of just the stark advantage that Montreal has in goal. I mean, we're talking about potentially flurries of Asda Trophy caliber goaltender. Nominated this year, first time ever. He could be on the Olympic team. He could be with Price on the Olympic team. But there's no there's no debate over who's going to be the starting goaltender for that team. Gary Price is the best Canadian goaltender on the planet. He is the best goaltender in the NHL in this exact moment. Maybe that's a little far. I mean, we quick to forget about Andre Vasilevsky. But still, Gary Price is the difference maker in this series. He is the trump card. He And he, he owns this matchup against Marc-Andre Fleury. He had so much more work to do. And he even had a moment himself that wasn't very good. But he's the guy that brings these two teams to a neutral playing field. And he's going to win this goaltending matchup against Fleury. But can Fleury not lose it? That's for himself, at least. I think that's the big question here. Because we kind of know what we're going to get from Carey Price. We probably know what we're going to get from the Vegas Golden Knights. But can Marc-Andre Fleury do enough to do his part and make sure that the result goes Vegas' way? What can we say about Carey Price? I mean, it's interesting because after this game, which he was lauded and, and even guys on his team, fans, media, there are no illusions here. The only reason they won this game was because of Carey Price and a bad error, I guess, on the part of Marc-Andre Fleury. But it is interesting because Carey Price actually allowed the worst goal probably of his postseason. And it was a go-ahead goal in the third period from Alex Petrangelo. A backbreaker, it seemed, until new life was given to Montreal. But again, he's just at the point where he he's sort of become this monster that you can't, you're not sure if you can overcome. You're not sure if what he can do trumps everything that you're going to try and do. I mean, 43 saves in the face of 77 shot attempts for Vegas on the night. Again, thoroughly dominated. Montreal through the first two periods and Carey Price was the only reason why they were still in striking distance. Vegas, if you go by natural stat tricks, expected goals, 
earned 3.8 goals on the night, only scored two, and one fewer than Montreal. I mean, we saw a number of acrobatic post-to-post stops. Just everything out of the Carey Price portfolio was again was again on display. And now he's 10 and four with a 9.32 save percentage in these playoffs, uh, and just he is exactly who we expected Carey Price to be in these big moments. And I think that leads us to the you know the overall Price conversation. All this talk over the last few years where Montreal's not making the playoffs or Montreal's not in a position where they can truly compete for a Stanley Cup. And all this talk about, is Carey Price still the guy? Is he still an elite goaltender? Was the moment he signed for $10.5 million, was that it? Was that the end of Carey Price's dominant days? No, 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 no. And for this reason, at least, if this playoffs does anything for him, it eliminates all the slander during the regular season forever. Like who in their mind when Carey Price is, you know, got a sporting a 908 through October and November next year, going to be calling into question Carey Price's abilities. This is a goaltender who can take it to the next level. Most goaltenders shrink. They recluse in these moments. Carey Price comes up big. He's different at this time of year. And that maybe just be a mark of, you know, a veteran goaltender who can't quite be at 100% for 82 games and six months on end. But if you want any goaltender in any big game, and it may be Andre Vasilevsky's the guy, but Carey Price has looked more dominant. Carey Price has probably swung the advantages further in his team's favor than Vasilevsky at any point in these playoffs. Carey Price is the MVP of these playoffs so far. He's the one that's driving the more unexpected results. So if we're talking about him in January and criticizing him, just because he gave up six goals on December 15th, I mean, you got to give your head a shake. We can't do that anymore. The slander for Carey Price ends with this playoff run because we can see and we know what's possible. Not just one night, not just when the Habs are on the brink of elimination. He's done it from the start of these playoffs. He's been the best goaltender in the world once again, and I hope we don't forget that next season. I mentioned sort of imbalances and cosmic forces. But there was one example of balance in the world, and that was the fact that Josh Anderson scored the overtime winner. And it's not just because, you know, Anderson had played well and deserved a real one for himself after going a lengthy period without scoring or actually only getting one goal over a course of like 20-something games, I think 24. Um, But because Montreal deserved better in that overtime period by the way it was going. Just before the goal, Corey Perry was struck in the face with a high stick that was as egregious as it comes. Split wide open, straight off the nose, as hard as can be from Jonathan Marchessault. And the rep, the two referees didn't call it. And the two linesmen who can stop the play on a high stick decided not to call it either because guess what? It was overtime and the whistles go away. But even like... You know, we talk about the objectivity and subjectivity and and what the officials call in overtime. Like, there's a certain threshold where it doesn't matter. There's a certain threshold where you can't deny that there's a penalty. And that was it. I mean, just ridiculous that that wasn't called. And it didn't look good when Corey Perry got up immediately, blood all over his face. And they probably realized that, no, no, that was clearly a penalty and we missed one there. So while we were bracing for the inevitable makeup call... We actually got a goal from the Montreal Canadiens and we didn't need um, all the, you know, 
manipulation and game control and all that to come into play because surely that would have been a talking point after Corey Perry was busted wide open on the most egregious high stick maybe of the entire playoffs so far. But it was nice to see Josh Anderson get that one. He made actually a tremendous play. It was a gift on the first one that he scored on the night, but it was well-earned on the second. He knocked down, you know, just high skill, knocked down a puck that was just coming at him about hip high, stayed onside, was able to dish to Paul Byron and stayed in the play for Paul Byron to make his best play of the night, which was a beautiful fake shot and pass over to Anderson, who was able to tuck it in while sliding into the boards and getting up and, of course, celebrating the goal. With Corey Perry, as I mentioned, he came out of the back, uh, and that was probably the the uh, the funniest moment, if you don't want to count George McPhee's hilarious reactions. Um, but Perry coming out, again, blood all over his face and hugging everyone and just so excited for his teammates. Uh, something, uh, you know, cult hero status, it looks like Corey Perry's achieving. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., at least on this playoff run with Montreal. I mentioned uh, on the last podcast, we were talking about where Montreal would be comfortable in this series. Well, we thought, okay, maybe on home ice, they're going to look like a bit of a different team, even though they had pretty pretty good success in Vegas. Uh, but we sort of deduced that with a lead, that's probably where they're best, and that's probably where most teams are because Montreal is not really built to chase or eliminate leads. Um, but we saw a little different wrinkle here tonight. I mean, they were down one in the third period. They looked pretty good, but the best Montreal Canadiens team we've seen in, in these playoffs so far, or at least against Vegas is while playing with basically free money at the table in overtime. I mean, that, that goal that Josh Anderson scored to force overtime, like it's liberating in a way because, you know, we just got this second life. Like if we lose, it's not that big of a deal because we shouldn't have been here anyway. And they played so freely and at their best in that overtime period. They were awesome. They were full value for the goal. They deserved it. I mean, it wasn't extended over long periods of time, but they dominated Vegas in that overtime period. And maybe some of it was due to the fact that Vegas was reeling. But you have to give Montreal credit for how they came out in overtime, giving the game or taking the game rather to Vegas. Uh, it felt like a just result in the end, even though it was such an unjust uh, situation for Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights with two minutes left in regulation. As for Vegas, I mean, we're still talking about the same issues. Power play was even worse than it has been. Uh, they were four for 34 coming into uh, this game in the playoffs. Uh, let's see here. They had 
eight minutes on the power play and basically did nothing with it. So now they're four for 38. And uh, dating back to, you know, their last 115 or so, I mean, we're talking about terrible, terrible numbers from this group for a very long extended period of time. And Mark Stone was asked about it after the game and just said, you know, we got to take more pride in it. And yes, they do. They have to figure out something on the power play because what they're doing is not acceptable. And in the end, if that continues, it's going to be the reason why they fail if they do in fact fail, because you simply cannot, especially with what's going on this year with like Tampa Bay going nuts on the power play that they would be next. And if there's that big of an advantage for one team in a Stanley cup final series, like Tampa's going to find a way to take advantage of that. So if not in this series to get them by Montreal, they've got to shore up their issues or it's going to be curtains for them eventually. Again, another issue we discussed in the last one was the Misfits line. Uh, and they continue to get favorable matchups. They continue to avoid Phil Deneau. <clears throat> Excuse me, Phil. <clears throat> Sorry. They continue to avoid Phil Deneau. Um but they can't get anything going either. I mean, the numbers were a little better tonight. I mean, the numbers were good for everyone for Vegas, but um, they they cannot come up with anything sustainable or meaningful in terms of offense. But even beyond that, I mean, that, like that's sort of symptomatic of the larger issues, which is, and it's weird to say because they've only been in the league for four years, but this is the same old Vegas. They cannot score enough to match the puck possession that they have. Look, take a look at who's scoring in this series. They've got, I think, what about seven goals? Maybe eight? Doesn't even matter because they only have two from their forward groups. Alex Petrangelo is three. I think three three other defenders are on the board as well, so that's six. And then the only forwards with goals tonight, Nick Waugh, and then way back in game one, I believe, Matthias Janmark. The only forwards with goals are Nick Waugh and Matthias Janmark. So that means the top two lines for Vegas haven't found the back of the net yet. I mean, we saw the problems Thatcher Demko gave to them last year. Uh, and that's probably the reason they didn't go to the Stanley Cup final because they were they ran out of gas. They, they, they were forced to expend so much energy against a team they were clearly better than them. Now they're in the same situation where it seems like they're clearly better, but they can't find goals from their forward group. And they asked for this themselves. I mean, the Chandler Stevenson loss is huge for them, but it shouldn't be because Chandler Stevenson is at best a middle six center, but he's playing top line minutes. So they have accepted the fact that they're going to be weak up the middle, that their center depth is going to be thin. And when they lost their best center, now they're searching for answers and it affects everything in the top six because Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty haven't been able to get going in this series. The Misfits seem lost right now as I mentioned, and they're relying on unsustainable sources for their offense. Alex Petrangelo can't score every game. Not every defender can score a goal in the series, although they're pretty much there. Uh, They need to find a way to get offense from the main guys, and they tried that tonight by promoting Alex Tuck, and that top line was a lot better. But we're looking at what they're playing against one of the best shutdown centers in the league in Phil Deneau, two of the best defensemen in terms of shutdown pairings in Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt, Like, it's going to take a lot to get through. And that's why it's on the Misfits to contribute if they can. But really, the entire forward group has to get going. They got to get contributions for someone. Because right now, they have two goals in three games from their forwards. And they'd be maybe down 0-3 in this series if it wasn't for Alex Petrangelo, who leads the series with three goals. 
more positive contributions from the defense corps, we got to acknowledge Braden McNabb, who, who, <clears throat> excuse me, who delivered two of the best hits of the playoffs with massive hip checks on Nick Suzuki and Arturi Lekkonen. I go full caveman when I see hip checks like that because they are legal. They're devastating. And it's like going back to the days where, you know, we all sort of celebrated hits without really knowing the longer term effects. Like I get it now and it's cringe now to get, to see guys, especially get hit in the head. But when Braden McNabb goes and throws his hip through someone's body, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from that. I mentioned the lineup changes for Vegas with Tuck coming up. And I think there was, as I mentioned, some decent results. And Thomas Nosek actually came back in the lineup. He's been out since game three versus Minnesota in the first round. I thought that was going to be a pretty big deal. I don't know if he had a great game, but this is a really good fourth line forward and someone they've been missing. And and a guy that does a lot of the center work for them as well. He takes a lot of face-offs. He was out in big moments to take face-offs with Tuck, uh, you know, just coming on a little bit later um, because he's not as proficient in the face-off dot uh, as a natural winger. Um, but that's, I guess, a little bit of a boost from them. But until they get Chandler Stevenson back, you know, clearly they're not going to be optimized. But uh, uh, Nosek was at least a bump to the bottom six and uh, was able to win a few key face-offs, even if it didn't amount to the advantages in the end. But the big change in terms of what these two teams were offering was the fact that Montreal was out without its coach in this game. Uh, Dominic Ducharme testing positive for covid uh, where it was where it was contracted, I'm not really sure. Of course, Montreal just came back from Vegas the first time a Canadian team has crossed the border to play, which is a nightmare scenario, obviously, for the Canadian government and the NHL and the teams. Uh, but Ducharme, it seems like he's, he's feeling okay, but obviously can't be around the team, I think, for 10 days. And uh, a big change. Losing your coach at this stage is such a huge, huge thing. And I don't know if it affected Montreal that much. They didn't play well, as I mentioned a couple times here through the first two periods. Um, and maybe there was a little bit of a paralysis because of it, because they're missing that guiding voice uh, and the person that's been leading this incredible run that they've been on. Uh, but once they got going, once they were sort of just playing on instinct, Montreal was at its best. So, I mean, I think you got to try to bottle that. It's tough to tough to do, tough to just say and, and accomplish. But uh, I don't know when we're going to see Dominique Ducharme yet or next. So Montreal's going to have to find a way certainly to get better starts. And that might be just embracing, you know, what we saw in the third period in overtime where you do have that free roll at the table. As much as that flurry goal provided that to you, you're in the position now where there's nothing to lose. You've over, you've exceeded expectations. You're two wins away from reaching the Stanley Cup final. Montreal, just go nuts. Just play. That might be the best way to complete this series upset. So the Montreal Canadiens up 2-1 in their series versus the Vegas Golden Knights. On the other side, Tampa's taken a 2-1 series lead over the New York Islanders. So we are getting closer and closer to that Stanley Cup matchup and a, an eventual winner. Uh, and Montreal is as close as any team, which is pretty amazing to say at this point. The 18th best team in the regular season, up 2-1 over the second best team in the regular season, and it seems like they're very much in this series and very much uh, with a chance, more than a chance, more than a chip in a chair. They are fully entrenched in this series, and uh, we've got to take them seriously. 
they will return to action on Sunday. It's officially the weekend now. Well, Tampa and the Islanders play game four on Saturday. We will be here to break it down with Julian McKenzie this weekend before we uh, continue on with these solo pods. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about Montreal, given that he's living in and breathing it in that market. And uh, we'll try to catch up on all things Islanders and Tampa Bay as well. We'll leave it there. The Montreal Canadiens up 2-1 after a 3-2 overtime victory in Game 3. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.